All right. Welcome, my brother. Welcome, everyone on Facebook Live. Welcome, everyone, to episode number five. Number five. Salman's going to tell us what number five means. What it represents. This is Um, a great theme. This is a very special moment. Uh, We'll call it an extra ordinary moment. This is the first time I'm having a guest on Unspeakable Bliss podcast. And we are dual live streaming, just so everybody knows. So this will be available on Spotify and a variety of other places. And we will share that link in the comments to this. Without further ado, Welcome, my brother. He goes by the name of Solomon Potter. I know him as the one and only, the one and all, Brava G. Glad to be here, man. One question for you, my brother. Yes. You already know what's coming. He already knows the question because I told him I was going to ask him this. But I ask him this all the time. And before we get into the question, I just would like to have a moment of unspeakable bliss. This entire podcast, whether speaking or silence, whether soul gazing into the God self himself is a meditation. So we will begin as we are. Some silence. beautiful how a moment of silence during a podcast and sound can feel like eternity. We have live comments coming in, so from time to time we'll be able to have a little dialogue as well. But without further ado, as I introduce my guest with a question, Who are you? Welcome, brother. Thank you. Unspeakable bliss. And I really appreciate you bringing me on here and sharing me so I can be available to be seen and to share my story and to share who we all are. I have a puppy in my lap right now, and <laughs> I feel like Osho. 
Yeah, I feel like Osho right now because I can't move. And you know how, if you've ever watched videos about Osho, he's so silent. I really love observing masters because they're so, they're so fluid. It's like no one's moving. And I think that's the key to this question. It's about sitting in the question long enough and then the answer comes. And this is the essence of contemplation, which I've essentially based most of my life on self-inquiry, contemplation, and really understanding the self. So you know a little bit about my story, Christopher Kent. I can share an even deeper version of that story right here, right now, if you are open. There's about 10 million different things that I feel I can talk to you about with what you just said. Um, one of those reasons being, I'm having a hard time hearing what you're saying. Is the audio good? Can you hear me? The audio on Zoom, it's like, it's like half of what I was able to hear before. I'm still doing the lip reading thing and I, I pretty much got the essence of what you're saying. Talk to me now. Yeah. Can you hear me still? Does it sound better? Yeah, it's it's just really, really faint. Got you. All right, let's, let's try rolling with this. So this is actually the question that I wanted to follow up and ask you, brother. Um, how did you find yourself sitting in Miami, speaking to me, sitting in Costa Rica, on a podcast called Unspeakable Bliss with the topic that we're talking about being God consciousness. How did, how did, and, and feel free to go back as far as you want. Yeah. How did we arrive here? Wow. You know, I, I like to recall my story of my ancestors and at least to the ones that I've really recognized and have had the privilege of meeting in this lifetime. Uh, my grandfather, his, norm, his name was Norman Potter. He was born in 1910. And this man was every bit of a man that you could define. And without him, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking right here, right now. So this man, I've always looked up to. I've only met him for like the first four years of my life. He lived to the age 96 and he passed away when I was about four or five. And man, he had it hard in 1910 you know that saying that you know hard times make strong men and easy times make weak men he was born in 1910 this was this was really tough like going into the war and then being a young man 1920s came along and of course like at that time being a teenager i'm sure he wanted to party and have fun enjoy but then the 30s hit and you know what happened in the 30s right the depression so you know what he did to stay alive and to survive and just uh, do anything for money is is boxing and he was a crazy boxer you just scrap with people all day uh, just for pennies you know just to get a meal just to get some soup for him and his family and i don't know his entire story but essentially he just grinded his way to the top. He became a professional champion boxer. And 
he had like seven different restaurants and eventually he started this farm which i was born at i was raised on the 75 acre What's farm name again brother yeah his name yeah his name is norman potter but his boxing name is mickey potter i'm being like jamie on the joe rogan podcast and looking him up as you speak yeah definitely i, I mean i found his profile on like ancestry.com uh -huh. norman frederick potter i believe that's his name but yeah so i mean this this man is incredible like I, I used to hear stories from my grandmother, from my mom, about how he, you know, went to the army, to the Navy, to the Air Force, like all these things, like just contributing as much as he could to his community, to his country, to his family. Wow. It's just unbelievable. Like even he was on this U.S. Navy boat and I guess it got blew up, you know, and he was drifting out on this drift board for like five days and somehow he still survived. To, to share his wisdom, to share his essence and continue his lineage so I could be here. So I just always think about that. And, you know, eventually like he started this farm, 75 acres, dairy farm, cows, chickens, everything, you name it. And he had seven kids with my grandmother, which her birthday was yesterday. And I, I believe your, your grandfather's uh, birthday was yesterday as well two days ago yeah oh, two days ago yeah pretty similar interesting so Dude, we got to make a movie about your grandfather that's i want to honestly his story <laughs> his story is unbelievable but i always look up to that and i always remember like without that sacrifice without that struggle and that perseverance i would not be here so the man is a legend and that's something i've always wanted to live up to but essentially he had seven kids and those seven kids had I don't know how many kids, but, you know, I was one of them. And my mother, yeah, my grandfather's, my grandfather, Norman, was, uh, gave birth to Catherine, my mother. And my mother found my father, Adam Van Valkenburg. So he, he was a Greek man and he was beast. Like he was, was a star in football and everyone used to call him like crazy legs and stuff like that so he was he was pretty cool and he went on to like found his own business so he's always been like an entrepreneur he had a very successful roofing business and things like that and I always looked up to that and pretty much I was raised by these two individuals with you know amazing backstories which I'm really proud that I chose them you know to be my parents and to to be born into that lineage right and i come up you know and my father was successful but i didn't really see him that much because my mother was you know split they, they weren't together when i was growing up and i would see my father on the weekends and my mother was pretty much always there with me and so for the most part i was actually raised by feminine energy my whole life and my father, ah, he was so awesome to be around. You know, he'd give me anything that I wanted, video games, Pokemon cards, you name it. But um, I remember he passed away when I was 12 years old. And that really changed the course and trajectory of my social life, the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed God. And 
just men in general. And essentially, I, I didn't cry. I wasn't, I wasn't shocked at first, like when he passed away at 12 years old, I was just like, what I was reflecting on is all the conversations that I couldn't have with him, all the advice that I could never ask of him. And that's when my journey really started to turn inward. And I was trying to find how old were you at this 12, point? Yeah, 12 years old. 12 years old. And at that point, you know, I was really just trying to find myself. I was trying to find that inner masculinity, that that role model, because I didn't have any growing up. And that's when everything alchemized and I started to look inward. And my mother would always share with me like cool books. Like she introduced me to Tony Robbins, and like self-help and stuff like that. And I was just really buzzing over the power of positivity and like shifting my thoughts, like things like that really inspired me. And it wasn't until I was about 16 years old when I found Terrence McKenna and Alan Watts. And yeah, you already know, Kristen. You already know. And I was actually introduced to them from uh, a relationship and she was she was pretty cool but you know she showed me those two individuals and from there i would say my self-inquiry my thirst for knowledge just exploded at that point and i couldn't help but trying to understand who god was how could i access him all these different things because i didn't want to just believe in god intellectually i was always challenging you know, my religious upbringing, my mother was Catholic, my father was Christian. And I was always just trying to find like, how can I meet God? How can I know him? How can I have a face to face conversation with him? And I don't know what, what it was, but this thirst, this desire could not be quenched whatsoever. And, and that, was, that was awoken by your father's passing. Yeah. That really triggered it for sure. And then yeah. being inter introduced to amazing teachers like Terrence McKenna and Alan Watts and listening to their lectures and things like that really turned me on to spirituality and just understanding how to intellectualize God and realize him through Yana Yoga, which is the premise of self-inquiry. I started really digging into Vedanta, the Rig Vedas, the Upanishads, and eventually I started following the brahmacharyan path which is essentially renunciation you know i really wanted to just renounce the world so i can just be one with god 16 years old and all my friends couldn't quite understand and that's not a typical I, 16 year old no <laughs> so that's a conversation for another day for sure but um yeah at this age Maybe. at this age i was trying to understand terence mckenna and his work with magic mushrooms and I was like, okay, if this is like a portal, an entheogen to understand the God within, and I could really use this as a tool to become one, in a sense, with the divine, there's no risk, I don't feel, because I, I was doing so many uh, researching on like different reports about how people had mushroom trips and like their side effects and all these different things, right, that you would kind of go through risk management wise. And, you know, I was like, all right, let's follow this five grams in the dark, all alone on a 48 hour fast. Let's see what happens. And, and how old are you? 
I, I was probably 17 at that time. Yeah, I was <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Because I wanted so many answers, you know? I, I couldn't find them in just books. I needed to experience it for myself. I need to understand, like, how can I, how can I embody the Lord? Because my role models at that point after my father's passing was, as you know, Goku from Dragon Ball Z and JC, you already know. So I always right, looked to, by the way. I, yes, I always looked to them for inspiration, just how to be a man, you know, and how to really embody that God consciousness right here and right now. So I take these mushrooms and you know, I tell my mom, like, I tell my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to put this poster on my bedroom door. It says, do not disturb. And I don't know what's going to happen. And my mom was so concerned. And she was like, Solomon, like, what, what inspired you to take this action and, and do this? Like, because I, I know, like, her brother, my uncle had, like, a bad experience with mushrooms he died he had to be hospitalized because he was like you know he couldn't fathom like what just happened he couldn't intellectualize it and actually apply it utilize it in his life so my mom was super concerned but she was like she gave me like a big hug like before and i had this whole i had this whole ceremony and everything i you straight up told your mom what you were doing yeah straight, she was very supportive she was very supportive I would say I had the closest relationship to my mom uh, uh -huh. between all my siblings. So she knew like I was up to different things and yeah, we just had this relationship and I told my mom, yep, this is what I'm going to do. And she's like, okay, if you need anything or if you don't feel well, like just tell me like, I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> and I was, I was fucking scared. I was terrified. My balls went back into my stomach and <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. Out a few years before that, too. Yeah. So I go in my room, and I was a fat stoner at the time, and I was, I was taking bong rips. I was setting my intention over my weed, and setting the intention, saying my prayers, the Our Father, over the mushrooms and everything. Five dried grams, like right there. Uh, actually, I think I took it in tea form. Can you give a little? Like for those that don't know, a little overview on the significance of five grams. Why five grams? Yeah, so essentially five grams. Um, they say that's kind of like the ticket. Like that's that's all you need. That's you don't need any more. The mind doesn't need any more because I mean you're the experience is like capped. It's almost like a level five. There's different levels of mushroom Episode experiences. Five. Pretty much, yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah, no, there's like a chart online or something. You could check out the different levels of like basic visuals, a little euphoria and like level five is just like, I, I can't even describe it. Um, but yeah, I, I want to offer a little, a little piece on that. Yeah. So first of all, for everyone listening, Solomon and I are not suggesting to eat five grams, no, this, this is, of grams of mushrooms, of psilocybin. This is for educational purposes only. I'm only sharing my experience. I'm not an expert mushroom connoisseur. Neither do I, yeah, approve this for yeah. anyone. And so. as a follow-up, like the amount of shit that this dude and I have in common, he, you beat me. He beat me to the heroic dose. That's five grams. It's known as the heroic dose. 
I wasn't, it was, man, it was almost a decade later. I was like 24, 25. Uh. Um, anyhow, I'll, I'll share a little bit on that later, probably. But the idea about five grams, anything below that, you can have a really incredible experience with mushrooms, very connected. That's when I went from believing in God to experiencing God. Yes. And, you know, Solomon and I, we have no way of, for anyone that hasn't had a plant medicine journey, we, we, from the outside looking in, it could be like, oh, well, that was just a trip. That was just a hallucination that you were feeling. And all I have to say in response to that is this was more real than anything else I had ever experienced up until that point in my life. And so there is some merit in people saying, well, that's just, it is just my experience. It is just Solomon's experience. And it felt more real. It felt like I went from believing in God to holy God. God is actually real. God is the only thing I've ever actually experienced. Thank you very much. So that's what five grams will do. Anything underneath that, you're still going to be you. Five grams and up, what you have is what's called an ego death. Your ego disappears and you see who you are without the limitation of a mind and a body, of being an individual, of identifying as this is who I am. I'm a child. I'm born and raised here. Basically, all the stuff that Solomon said up until now disappears. Just it's it's gone. And um, I leave it to you, brother, to pick back up where you left off on. I just wanted to give a little um, yeah. asterisk as to what the heroic dose entails. Yeah, and that's perfectly described as an ego death. And I I completely lost my sense of self. And <laughs> <laughs> it's funny reflecting on it now. Um, because my mind back then as a 17 year old was like just trying to figure it all out and like capture all these answers and now it's like it's integrated so it doesn't seem like a big deal but when you reflect on it it's like wow like that that was a crazy experience but essentially if you've seen that painting of by Alex Gray um, with like the different godheads and things like that you will basically experience the multi-dimensionality of the godhead and by godhead i mean the infinite eye of consciousness everywhere you go omnipresent everywhere you look it's there you're there and and i i had my journal i was going through all these different questions and just taking notes and i was being guided on this journey almost like you have a conversation with God. And that's really how I felt is he was giving me this direction and all these different answers that I was seeking and searching for. And um, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful experience. And after that, I reflected over the next couple of days and I was like, wow, this is powerful. But I no longer felt as if I was just this small, tiny little human ego and the veil was lifted and I could see clearly who I was. And at that point, you could call it a Satori-like experience because based on what I've read, based on who I've talked to, monks, they would describe it as the same Satori-like experience. And it's when you experience the witness, you experience the totality of being detached from your mind, from your thoughts objectively, and you just see everything crystal clear as it is without your mind labeling it, without your mind saying, oh, this is separate this is that, this belongs to that person. And from that standpoint, it's never left me. That perspective will always be 
here because that is the journey inward. And it's almost like you're your own buoy. You're your own island, this island of silence. And it's, it's filled with grace. And I would say from that point on, of course, I've had like so many human problems and things I got to figure out with this third Wait, dimensional you mean you reality. have human problems after you have a heroic dose of mushrooms? All your, all your problems don't disappear and life isn't bliss eternally? <laughs> no, I, I would say it's the paradox of having both because one is not mutually exclusive, you know? So yeah. you got you to gotta have both. If you can't have both, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. But so, yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking as a as a listener, someone I would I would say, God, for the people that are going to listen to us talk long yeah. form, I would say probably a, a decent percent, like maybe 25 percent, 30 percent have probably had experiences with plant medicine or, or psychedelics and theogens. Yeah. But and I think you were probably just getting into this. The The question that I get a lot, actually, just from like family members and people that yeah don't have any experience with psychedelics is like, yeah, well, so now what, or like, how is that practical or how, how is that, how does that change anything in this realm, even though that realm is this realm. And so I think you were getting into like how that actually, cause you talked about, right. Your dad and these yeah. questions that you had and the search for God. And so it's like before the mushrooms. And then you told us during the mushrooms, what, what is it that, and I know you said the perspective stuck with you, but wow, what do you say when people ask you that? So it, it really depends on your intentionality and how you use it. And if you're alone, if, if it's like a social thing, because if you, if you literally go in with the intention of, I want to meet God, you'll find completely different results. And again, not recommending anyone do this, like up to your own discretion, but it's just, it's all about intentionality and how I actually use it and practically can take things away from this experience it's been an identity shift and that's as simple as I can put it because now I don't view myself as a mind with thoughts. I don't view myself as a thought that just constantly going past my awareness. I identify as the awareness, as the one who holds the entire experience externally and internally. And you develop this spaciousness, I would say, and you become empty and it's, this internal landscape that has completely transformed the way that you see, the way that you hold cognitions with your mind and the way you use your mind as a tool, because now you become the master. So the identity really does shift because you just see the world from a completely different lens. That's the biggest thing because obviously like I got answers and like certain things to my questions and I understood my purpose a little bit more and I understood my path and it's great but then you know practical things like uh, I started working um, got my first job and then I, I got my second job and I was just really trying to understand like you know this side hustle but between that time of 17 to 22 for me my time was based on having two jobs a spiritual practice going to LA film school online to learn music production because that's always been my passion and then trying to figure out business and finance entrepreneurship and eventually like becoming a freelancer i was doing copywriting advertising for some real estate um and then and then at the end of it all like 
you keep rediscovering where you're not being true to yourself, where you're not being authentic, where you need to step into your discomfort a little bit more and really show your face, show who you really are. And that's when I started sharing more astrology sessions and like one-off coaching sessions and just speaking my truth. And, you know, I, I met my life partner. We found each other at this crypto uh, currency conference. We got to see Bob Proctor. He was there. He spoke. God bless his soul. And yeah, like from there, created a six-figure business in six months. Last year, $500,000 business. And it just keeps expanding because my consciousness keeps expanding. My awareness keeps expanding. My influence keeps expanding. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am now. I was a little sped up version of it all, but, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to actually make things practical when it comes to those high experiences like that. So, yeah. So this is something that uh, I got from Rupert Spira. Oh yeah. And I want to ask you what, what your experience is with this. So thank you. I got a hot water delivered to me by my divine loving goddess here. Thank you, babe. So what Rupert will do to point to point to the fact that uh, non-duality or oneness with all beings and all things is actually the experience that we're having now. And it's the only experience that we ever will have, are having and ever have had. And so it, you might be able to see, like I have a, uh, I'm, I'm always open to dialogue with people about it, especially like last night, I was talking to uh, a therapist, a dear friend of ours at dinner, and we were talking about the, the belief or how sometimes non-duality itself or a mushroom journey itself can be put up on a pedestal and then turned into an idol in a way, turned into an idol or another belief systems or another set of thoughts. But this, this experience that I'm inviting anyone, everyone, myself, Solomon, anyone listening to this into right now, to me, this is, this is a direct, undeniable experience of mm. oneness. And, and if anybody doesn't have that experience, or if they see how maybe I'm misbelieving something, I'm really open to explore that. Because if that's yeah. the thing, Solomon and I have always, like, what we see, I know we see this, it's like, I'll drop anything. I will drop anything if I find out that something else is true. If something is true, if something is real, if something is love, it's beautiful, like all those things are the same to me, then we can call it AirPods. And I would say, yeah, Air, it's AirPods. I mean, I'm pointing at it to call it non-duality, right? And that is a concept. But so here, here's, the, here's the exercise. We live in a, a, what appears to be a subject object world so for any of you viewers the subject is you that which hears these noises anyone watching a video it's that which is seeing and hearing these noises you that's, are the subject yeah ahead, and, ju and just to reference like that's how the mind or the ego i always use those terms synonymously will view the world as yes. left and right extremes subject and object duality but, exactly yeah so continue duality that's that's right and that's that's how this this apparatus and when i mean apparatus i mean 
the body and mind that's listening to this, Solomon's body and mind that's listening to us, Christopher's body and mind that's listening to this. These are the, the apparatus by which infinite consciousness appears to be finite, appears to be one perspective. And this is the litmus test to show that actually not a duality is arising, is appearing to arise within non-duality. And it's not yeah. even really within non-duality because it's all one. So this is, this is the framework that can set up. You're over there. I'm over here. Everyone else that's listening to this is wherever they're at. Now, by the very nature of the fact that you, you as awareness, you as consciousness are aware of my voice, are aware of Solomon, this beautiful man sitting here, the picture of Jesus Christ in the background, the green whatever it is, anything that you're aware of, the noise, actually any sensation that you're feeling right now. So you take all your sensations, all your thoughts, because you're also, you are aware of your thoughts in the very same way that you're aware of the screen. In the very same way that you're aware of the vibrations coming into your ears, that is my voice right now. Now, since you are that which is aware, that which is aware has no actual qualities. And you could say, well, it's the body and the mind. No, it isn't. It's that which is aware of the body and the mind. So if you're aware of it, by definition, you cannot in totality be that one thing. Because that's, that's the exact reason why it's appearing to you as an object. But you, my friend, are not a singular object. You are that which illuminates all objects. You are that which allows this subject of consciousness to experience all of these objects. And so that, that subject of, that is the non-duality. That is the you that I'm speaking to. That is the I that is being spoken to. That is the I that hears these. And that's, that's just by the nature of the fact that if you keep asking, well, what is aware of the mind and body? You'll keep going back. And guess what you'll eventually find? Nothing. I've been there. Yeah. The, the mind will always keep questioning and you'll keep coming back with the same results. And I, I don't particularly subscribe to duality or non-duality because I feel like it's still both on uh, an extreme like spectrum. I, I really participate and share the perspective with my clients, my students, that everything is a trinity. There's always that middle space. So Trinity. Yeah, there's always that Trinity. So another thing I like to contemplate is meditation, because meditation is the essence of contemplation. But meditation, a living meditation, when you are breathing meditation, and it's never separate from you, it's not like, oh, I got to sit down for 15 minutes and then get into that, you know, the delta wave state or something like that. Meditation is, is essentially death. You're watching the world go by and appreciating every bit of yourself. And it's like, you can observe the subjective reality, you know, this body, like who I am, the one that responds to this name, Solomon, right? And then you could observe the external reality, apparently external, right? Um, with this microphone, this camera, things like that. But then that third, that third piece, the Trinity, is the one who encompasses both. And I always like to say that light is a disruption. So that's why when I encourage individuals to stop playing small, 
as soon as you walk into the room, you're going to be noticed because you light it up. Awareness is disruption. Just in the Aquarian age, spirituality being mainstream is disruption. Light disrupts the darkness in all forms. So I just wanted to share that perspective because, yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful when you just come back. And that's why I mentioned earlier in this, in this podcast, when we come back and we sit in the question, the ultimate question, who am I? And we really try to identify the source, like, and where is this mind coming from? Where is this question coming from? You will notice what is noticing. And what is noticing is that. Yeah, I think, tell me if it's otherwise, but I'm, I think that we are saying the same thing in two different ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I would say awareness is, it's just qualityless. However, it is, it is the qualitylessness or the spaciousness that allows every form to arise within it. And what I'm hearing you say is awareness from this perspective is it's that which subsumes the darkness or that which uh, disrupts by bringing light where light was not previously. And what, what I mean by darkness is essentially different shapes and forms and things that we could potentially identify with, such as thought uh -huh. forms, you know, and all these different forms we can perceive as something separate from ourselves. But truly, when we sit in this lotus throne, we understand, we understand that we are all this one spaciousness, this one consciousness, this emptiness that holds all things. That's another term that I like to use. So, brother, where I want to go with this is yeah. two things. I'm feeling like at some point we talk about how we came into each other's lives. For um, sure. We could, and, we could talk about that. What is it? Yeah, we could talk about that right now. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, well, the, the other question, it, I think it'll lead into it, which is, how you have and how might it might not even be the right question to say how but essentially <laughs> you had these experiences yeah. and you run a very you and ivan run a very successful financially successful enterprise uh business and so my experience has been when i meet someone that's really on the spiritual path sometimes sometimes they can be buying into renouncing all physical objects like oh i'm spiritual so that means i'm not gonna have much money or mm. it means i'm not gonna there's like a subtle and not even i'm, I'm not gonna have much money but still buying into programs yeah. of because i'm spiritual that's one of the reasons why i don't have as much money and and so to me that's actually just another subtle form of duality rearing yes. its its head of uh, no, to be spiritual means to be, to not have money. And, and that's, a, so yeah. Where do you want to take it with what, what we met about what, have we known each other for two years? Is Maybe it three? two? I think it's going on three. We're going on three years. I think so. Yeah. So essentially Chris, you and I met, uh, through, you know, mutual friends and I, I think, at this point in time, of course, like we're always super service oriented 
And I think our mutual friend, Sonny, um, introduced you to Ivan, and then Ivan introduced you to me. Over This is all over Zoom. I think maybe you were in like Ohio or something at the time, and I was, I was living uh, with Ivan's parents. At this time, the how I met Solomon was yep. in part related to a very strong mushroom experience I had. Oh, wow. that, yeah, yeah. So, so during this mushroom experience about three years ago, I, I was feeling inauthentic in my current, uh, what I was, what I was doing to earn money, which was doing fitness and mindset coaching. And I felt like I was, I was judging and condemning myself for not being the most authentic version and sharing it. And so, yeah. uh, and I wanted some answers with my relationship too, like the intimate relationship that I was in at the time. It wasn't, I just wanted some clarity around like, how do I show up yeah. in business authentically yeah. and also share like what's true and not like be buying into uh, basically mimicking others because that's what works. And that's what like, I wanted to find the deeper truth. So dude, I have these mushrooms. I, I, I know I've shared this story with you and Basically, I get this message, this very clear message. And this, by the way, this is the same mushroom experience when I went from believing in God to, oh my God, I'm in the womb of the universe. And exactly. yeah, I was, I was in the, in the womb and yeah. this loving essence said to me, and by the way, everyone, I'm translating mushrooms don't speak in English. <laughs> this is, this is the, the downgraded version of what came through. Um, but still the essence of it, it was something like, you're loved unconditionally, which means, because I'm over there like, no matter what, like no matter what, and it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. unconditional. That means no conditions, not based on what I do, what I don't do. So first of all, that unhooked me from this career thing of like, yeah. I have to show up and fulfill my purpose and do this thing that I'm meant to do that no one else can do, blah, 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 which wasn't true. It was no matter what you do, Christopher, you're loved. Wow. You're loved. 100%. You're supported. You'll never be anywhere else than the recipient of this unconditional love. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all your reality is. And so my response to that was, okay, I want to be my human self responses. I want to then be a kind of like you talked about with Jesus. I want to be a reflection of this gift that I'm receiving. Yes. Because I'm receiving this gift. I just want to be. I want to be like, I see that, I feel that. And now I want to move in the back, move about in the world where I'm, I'm mirroring that. And that would be the best gift that I could give to anyone. And the message I got was give, serve, love, give, serve, love. That's, that's interesting. Um, it, yeah. Wow. Cause it's, it's similar to love, serve, remember. And, and so I'll, yeah. I'll wrap right here and then get back to you, get back to you <laughs> with this. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like Aubrey Marcus, where when I'm interviewing someone else, I'm also interviewing myself, <laughs> but it's a dialogue, right? So, uh, I took that give, serve, love, and I implemented it directly into my business. And I said, I'm just going to go serve, like just unconditionally. I'm going to serve. Yeah. I, I, I had this deep, deep feeling since I'm just being that love that there's, I, there's no one that I can't serve. I can serve anyone. And I had a list of specifics of who I wanted to serve, like help people overcome their limiting beliefs, realize who they really are. And I connected with Simone, who 
we had over for dinner and lives in Costa Rica. Simone connected me with Sunny. Sunny, and by the way, everyone that I'm connecting with, I'm offering this service, this coaching session that I was doing at the time with, with like no, no, yeah, it's a business for sure. And I invite someone into the business when it's aligned, when we serve, if it's, if there needs to be more, not even needs to be, but if there wants to be more co-creation together, Sunny connected me with Ivan. Ivan connected me with the man that I'm having the pleasure to speak to right now, right now, Solomon. And so that's just a really funny way how this all connects that. And, and by the way, on a financial practical level that like it was two or three weeks, just two or three weeks of just like relentlessly serving and making myself available to have these conversations that created one, three, zero, 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 $13,000. Like, hey, mushrooms gave me this message. I'm gonna implement it. And some people wow. might say that's blasphemy. Some people might say that's whatever. It doesn't actually matter to me because those that have had the experience, like Solomon, like all these other beings that Solomon serves now, the the experience speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, that's it. So over to you, my brother. That's beautiful, bro. And that's that's really what you could take away from an experience like that. It's just like a reshifting and a realignment. And into your purpose and then you know just going in service mode because that's what we're here to do and it's interesting like you had those three words because I had like a book title that I was working on like at the time like even before then but it was called be create love so <laughs> I I just try to like be create love yeah yeah I tried to like kind of, again. exactly I tried to boil down that like essence of like if I could summarize everything that humans are meant to do in this lifetime it's create it's be and it's love or serve right so yeah I just thought that's beautiful man and gosh I'm just I'm just really grateful to to be here and, and present and to be able to share this story with you because I think when I when I met you I, I was more so like a drifter I was like couch surfing you know at Ivan's house and I was kind of back and forth uh, with at Washington where I'm from and New Jersey and I think when we first connected I was in New Jersey but then our second call really did transform my life bro and I have to tell you how much I appreciate you for that because not only was it a wake-up call but it shifted how I operated in service so I was living in my grandmother's attic also that was you know has a 75 acre farm and that's when we had our call we really talked about the divine father and I think it was technically a session but you know you were just in that service mode and I was an energetic match for it I suppose at the time and it really did change the course of my life and you mentioned like when you saw Jesus Christ you were like that guy I want to embody everything that he is I want to integrate those qualities of being a compassionate master and all those sorts of things. So yeah, man, JC back to you, bro. That really, that was a special time in my life too. It was very transformational and it was an honor just to be able to share in that, uh, with you. And I, I think this is actually a really good time to talk about uh, this because not only do you have 
opportunities where you can actually invite people in and work with them and invite them to have a similar transformation that we've been talking about, which I do want to talk about that as well, because we both have projects going on. One of them might be together in August. Stay tuned. Um, oh, yeah. But dude, this... Um, This is big. This hits home big for me with the divine father stuff, because I, and this is like, this is honestly, it's challenging for me to share this because it's it's hard. It's hard for me to talk about my father, my, my physical, like I love my father so much. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm processing this right now, actually. Uh, I mentioned yeah. Solomon before we hopped on that I led a men's circle and at the men's circle, I was, I, I put it together. I put it together and, uh, my leadership was called out and I want to be in integrity with that the men's circle. And so just say that because what happens at the men's circle stays at the men's circle, but I'm talking about my experience mm. of what happened and I'm not, I'm not naming any names because I've, I've, I've healed that. But as you can see, like this, this is challenging shit for me to talk about because the core wounding, that's what I'll speak into for me yeah. is being humiliated. Like I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I'm going to be seen as inadequate. I'm going to not know what the right answer is. I'm gonna, and then, and then what? And I'm working with that. It's like, and then what? And then I get cast out of the village of the tribe. And then I'm, I'm ostracized. I'm rejected. Maybe I'm working with these things. I would, this is what I was processing. Interestingly with Simone's partner, Fran, who that's how we're all connected. They were, he's a psychologist. We were over here and all of this relates back to my father because I've always wanted, I've always desired the the masculine element to to like be able to contain it no matter what and what i mean by contain it is like the raw like masculine yeah, like like unrefined showing up and and yeah. some of the example that i've gotten and a lot of people that i've connected with some people don't even have the the male role model so i want to say in as much mm. like in as much love because i my father might listen to this my father is a the best father i could possibly ask for and i say this with really humility interestingly enough uh and then maybe that's part of healing this medicine for me because i'll give you an example if you called me out right now like if you said to me if you're like bro this podcast is shit no one's gonna listen to it and you're you're a dumb idiot or something like i don't and like from you i would here's the medicine bro this is the medicine i would be like get out of here there's the door bring on the next guest brother yeah. no i would know that you're kidding and you know then I'd, I'd be obeying i'd be obeying one of the sacred rules of four agreements not taking it personally absolutely but in a different situation when someone's maybe more of a stranger or maybe i'm having a first time session with someone like that like being called out on my um it's not even see see i'm buying into it being called out by what that person is experiencing of me I go into, I can, I have gone into uh-huh. like, oh yeah, time to like, like, dude, that ego survival thing will come online <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm going to, I'll cast you out of the village. 
Yeah, I cast you. You think I'm no way. It's you. Yeah. You're the problem. And, and that's that that toxic. What I will say is toxic masculinity. Right. Where like Fran brought up to me last night, and he's like, "Where's more of that nurturing? You know, like where when when I'm in that, it's like that. It's got a lot of energy and intensity. And where's that like that nurturing, loving, masculine, healthy and feminine? Like that's see that's the thing. Sometimes people just call that feminine. I think that's a, absolutely a very masculine thing too. It's like, you know what? I'm going to listen to you. Everything's beautiful. You're perfect just the way you are. I yeah. see you. I don't even yeah. recommend that anything be different mm. because I'm seeing you. And and that's that's the thing that I've been searching for and cultivating within myself. And I think that's something that you felt in the way that I move about in the world and in the way that I operate and do things with that divine mother love and that masculine mm. fatherly love in one. And as you can see, since I'm sharing this with you, it's still a work in progress. Like this is shit that like I'm still working through how do I show up courageously yeah. and not be defined by that fear at the same time. So thank you for listening, brother. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing because like when we get called out and we're in that space of humiliation, you know, the human doesn't know how to handle it. The mind doesn't know how to handle it. And, you know, we take it personally and that's when we get thrown off our center. That's when we get thrown off our lotus throne. And I've experienced this many times. Like if it's the fear of leadership, the fear of public speaking, just Imposter syndrome, maybe being of influence. Yeah. And the truth is like, that's the greatest time where we can be in that space of humility and just genuinely like ask, like, how can I do better? Like, how can I improve? And it's, it's so hard sometimes to fight that resistance of like, oh yeah, how could you do better? Or like, you know, something like that. And we'll just jump into that toxic masculinity where we're- It's condemning, in, it's punishing. Yeah, where we're in, in that reaction like mode, you know? And I think it's perfectly okay, but it's as long as we acknowledge it, we can reflect on it. And then we can just ask like, how, how can I do better? How can I improve with that individual? Like that- totally makes sense and it's like humility we, we always have to come back to you know being at the feet of the guru because he's he's always teaching you're an eternal student like and i think that's the humility we all should embody because i'm, I'm sure in my lifetime i am a cosmic fool i'm always gonna be a cosmic fool in some some aspect and i just have to recognize sometimes it's okay to play the jester and it's okay to be made fun of, but it's about how I make fun of being made fun of. I think that's, that's the, that's the alchemy right there. Yeah. Dude, that's what we were talking about. Literally Fran and I were talking about how the jest or the joker in society, yeah. their uh, uh, ability to yeah. be able to be made fun of. Yeah. Cause no, no one wants to be, no one wants to be punchline. You know, I, I'll be the joke, but I don't want to be punchline. Like that's part of the part where humility needs to be exercised and that's so in clown school they teach you how to be able to use self-deprecating humor which <laughs> i mean we love i do that all the time i actually oh, yeah. do and you and ram das does it and you yep. do it and it's like i'm the i'm the i'm living my mid like whatever there's stuff that we probably said in this podcast that like when we look back on it we'll be like did i say that is that the yeah. shit that i said <laughs> yeah goodness okay and um it's funny that you're using the word humility because I'm talking about being humiliated 
Yeah, and exactly. like that's got such a negative connotation, right? But yeah. I'm pretty sure the word humiliated and humility probably have the same exact roots. It's grace. It's actually grace because that's when we can really be, you know, present and absorb that message that we're receiving in that time. Because I'm sure, like, when you were in that moment of like potentially being called out, like you probably felt a shock like in your body and like you know that that feeling in your gut and it just turns and you're like what do I do with this and then you got to throw it on someone else you know yeah exactly (laughs) this this isn't this isn't about me surely this is someone and that's the thing it's like yeah I gotta find when I'm in that toxic thing which so many people like this is why I want people like I want a lot of people to listen to this I really genuinely do not only because it's good for our business and because we have a really good message. I also genuinely want people to hear this message regardless, Mm, Yeah. which is when I'm, when I'm being a victim and I'm, I'm, then I'm looking for a target. I'm looking for someone to take it out on. And by the way, I don't find it. Maybe I I will find it. And then I'll condemn that. I'll Mm. condemn that person for whoever's fault it is like the boss that, you know, my boss is being a dick or uh, my partner, this, 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 and if I don't find it there, well, don't worry because I'll just go blame and feel guilty myself later yeah. Yeah. to make sure that we really, and you know what? The best case, the best worst case mm-hmm. scenario is when I can blame you and when I can blame myself later. And then that's when it, that's, cause that's <laughs> like, it's no one wins, but that's how the mind works. It's like, it's your fault and I'm going to take it out on you, but then I'll also feel bad about myself later for how I treated you too. And it's just this persecuting. Mm. It's the, the victim triangle. There's the persecutor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the victim triangle? No, you should share it. So, so it's, uh, this is from Diane Zimberhoff's book called Breaking Free of the Victim Trap. My mm. therapist recommended this to me like three or four years ago because I was in the victim trap. I wasn't. And this, this like fits perfectly with the whole spirituality conversation. Here's yeah. the victim triangle. At the top of the triangle, I don't have two hands, so I'm pointing with my third eye. At the top of the triangle, you have the victim. This is the victim victim, double victim. They're just a victim. Over here, at this point of the triangle, you have the persecutor. This is the persecutor victim. They're a victim, but they're wearing the mask as the persecutor. Mm. So they're going to punish the victim. And then over here, at this part of the triangle, the other point, you have the hero. And this this person is going to rescue the victim from the persecutor but guess what the hero is also a victim and the only way so they're all victims they're all victims doing this dance and and all of these exist within us if we're deeply in our ego we're either going to be the hero to go save the the whatever it is um the starving children from the pirates who have them captured or we're going to be the pirate or we're going to be the children and that all exists inside of us and the only way to get out you know what the only way to get out of the victim trap is self-inquiry <laughs> yeah it's, it's essentially that's it it's actually to stop playing yep. to realize that that's not who you who and that's not to say you know you could do the somatic healing work and all the stuff that goes along with healing traumas and a fundamental thing is to realize you were never that and then you realize oh okay well then who am i self-inquiry I'm the eternal, I'm the eternal victor. I'm the royal enjoyer. That's something from the Upanishads. 
there was a question that you asked earlier yeah and i want, want to get <laughs> a while to ago. yeah i asked you how you combine the spiritual path and teachings with having a successful financially successful inwardly rewarding successful business mm. this is a great question i would i would say like sometimes we associate and this comes from conditioning too because i was i was raised in a catholic household you know and my mom always kind of uh it if we were to be rich we would lose our character and this this is like some ingrained mentality that we've had through religious speaking the news like all sorts of media that we've been impressed by and i think this has just created a blueprint of like you know if you get rich you're going to have more problems you're not going to be spiritual you're going to lose everything that you are and you're just not going to be the same person anymore because you're going to be so fat with your big ass ego that you'll never be grounded and you'll never be who you were to us so i think that shines like pretty brightly here with individuals and they feel like they're going to lose touch you know with people who go off and get rich or things like that and the truth is when you do become successful like that you have to remain grounded and connected to the people that you love and show them that like hey money it's it's only going to amplify who i already was it's all it's only going to amplify everything that i am so obviously if you're an asshole before money you're going to be an even bigger asshole <laughs> so i think that's a big asshole deep. <laughs> i think i think that's the essence of that conversation but in terms of spirituality it's like if you lead with spirituality i mean can you think like gandhi right he had a mentor and then he was raking in cash but of course like there's this humbleness of saying you know i can live below my means sure but then you look at someone extreme like osho right he knew the influence of affluence he knew if he wore all these different Rolexes and rolled up in his Rolls Royces and had a fleet of them, he was going to get attention because he had a beautiful message to share. And of course, that helped his commune grow, helped his business grow, all sorts of things. So I view it as a tool to expand my message in my service. Like that's always been the essence because the we, all, we all have something valuable to offer. And if we don't use money as a tool to expand that value, then we're doing a disservice to the world, to humanity's evolution. And if one individual gets sour because they don't think that spirituality and money is mutually exclusive, then they're going to be stuck in that space of consciousness. And I yeah. think that's the absolute truth. And if and they I'm don't, yeah, if they don't, if they don't want to expand and really just tap into that, that field of unfamiliarity, then that is their problem. And that is the work that they must go through. So I think spirituality, it's the most beautiful service that you can give the world. So that's my case. Yeah. And I want to, I want to clarify something on what you just said. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a, a follow-up question for you too, about something you just said a little bit ago, which is sure. Solomon. Ooh, someone just got paid. My Venmo notification just went off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. 
<laughs> I couldn't plan that. That was not, that, I'm not just reading my lines over here. So otherwise I'd be a really good actor, huh? Um, oh yeah. This is, this is the thing. Solomon is not saying, and correct me, correct me if I'm misquoting, I want to make sure I'm understanding you the right way. If you want to go off and yeah. live in a tent for the rest of your life and you're, you're happy with that, like if you're yeah. genuinely, there's no sarcasm here, like genuinely, if you go find Mount Arunachala, that mountain of light, like you found your guru in the mountain, you're, you're the next Sri Ramana Maharshi and you mm. want to go live on that mountain, like go live on that mountain, go do that fully. You could be happy yes. regardless of any amount of money. But what Solomon is saying is that if you have a mental fixation of rejecting that, which is poverty consciousness uh, on the surface, on the surface, there's some nuances that I'm not gonna get into. But if you're, if you're going, no, you know, there's no way I could be spiritual and have money, then there might be a really good spiritual teaching in the yes. relationship with earning money. So I'm hearing you say that regardless of money, you could be as happy as you want to be. But if yeah. you have some kind of hang up on it, maybe because of being raised poor your whole life or whatever, whatever the case may be, then there might be some value in looking at that. So uh, here's the thing too, right? Like my father was a successful roofing, like construction worker, and he had his business, he had employees and things like that. And I would experience that level of wealth and, and everything only on weekends. Otherwise I was raised by my mother and my mother, she, God bless her soul. She's a beautiful woman. She's a nurse, but she doesn't make that much money. I basically grew up on welfare and food stamps. Like that was my reality. Right, and I'm not saying... I'm not saying I was dirt for poor, but yeah. literally there wasn't much income actually coming in, you know, of course, like reduced prices for lunch at school and things like that. That was my reality. So coming to this space and understanding that I believe God wants every single individual to understand the abundance of nature, to understand the abundance of the garden and how much there is for everyone, because there's literally an unlimited supply of resource. But the way that things have been constructed in our society and media, it makes us view the world as if there is limitations, but that is only of the mind. So really, it, it's just, it's not necessarily the relationship with money itself that needs to be reviewed and reassessed. It's really the relationship with abundance of resource, because there is more than enough to go around. So to answer your question, I absolutely encourage everyone to do what makes them feel most alive that at the end of the day is the most valuable currency there is people need to be more inspired people need to chase after the things that really set them on fire you know and if that's going to a temple and this was my journey like this is exactly what i thought i was going to do i used to meditate in my room six hours a day and then i was like is this my purpose like to just renounce the world but I understood like there is a level of suffering with my family. They needed not necessarily a hero, but someone who could help provide, help support, things like that. So I, that's why I was starting to work two jobs. And I was like, here, mom, here's some more rent money, things like that. And it really builds upon my character and like what I wanted to contribute. So that I understood as my role because that's where I am and that's what I want to do. So of course, if an individual wants to like go out to India and things like that, I had these aspirations. I wanted to do that. I wanted to 
not necessarily abandon my family and responsibilities and, and, you know, my friends and all these sorts of things. But that, that was definitely within me, but I realized it wasn't my purpose. So I encourage if anyone has that longing to go do that, to go experience that. And even if it doesn't require like any amount of wealth whatsoever, experience it because it's an experience. So this is a prime example since yeah. you were, uh, and keeping it totally real, yeah. the different privileges, and I like to call them opportunities, yeah. the different opportunities that I've had in my life and that Solomon have had, we definitely have had many, many gifts that have allowed us to really look at these things. Um, and I've, I've had negative $100,000. Like I, I filed a bankruptcy, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know what it's like to be wondering and how am I going to pay for living or food? Uh, not tomorrow, today. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And uh, thank God I've had a, a support system around me that has certainly helped, but also this, what you spoke to with, with leading with the spiritual path. Yes. Before I get into that, um, which we very well may, may talk about cryptocurrency too. Okay. And, you know, yeah, I know, right? Maybe, maybe that was a curveball, but here's, here's how it ties in. So the current debt system that we have, for every dollar produced, it, it creates $7 million of debt. And that's, that's, that wouldn't be a problem if our money was just in ideal land. However, it is tied to physical resources on planet Earth. So there's an issue like, for example, extractivism, where what we have is just essentially, and I'm going to, I'm going to tie this into the spiritual question as well. So it'll make sense. Yeah. And, and if you want to, as much as you want to comment on this too, brother, we can dive into this. Extractivism basically says that we just have a shitty accounting system going on right now. And what that means is when we take the whales from the water, we track it on our end. Oh, okay. Whale hundred thousand dollars or who knows they're probably even more expensive than that we just yeah. took 10 blue whales from the ocean that's 10 million dollars for us okay that's only half the accounting equation what about the fucking whales pardon my english um and and the problem is it's not just like what about the whales because um you're harming and killing an animal yeah that's that's certainly something we could definitely get into inflicting suffering on another being unnecessarily mm -hmm. for sure that's an issue for sure that's an issue. Um, yeah. Let me say it one more time. For sure, that's an issue. And <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and sometimes that's that's people's that's their only source of income. So this is, this gets to be an incredibly complex conversation. But what I want to point out is the accounting system. It's like if Solomon came to me and took, uh, and I do mean took, took out of my house. I'll not use children, even though that would be more synonymous took 10 meditation cushions. I don't actually have 10 meditation cushions, but if he took 10 meditation cushions, I'd come out and I'd probably feel pretty, I'd be like, okay, where are my meditation cushions? Yeah. But it'd be really great to know that there's like $10,000 laying there. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, so he took my cushions, but at least I got 10 K <laughs> <laughs> I paid for those cushions. Now those are expensive. Those are thousand dollars. Thousand dollar cushions, baby. Wow. Um, um so then, then that's kind of kind of fair. But the problem is, is if we just keep extracting from the oceans or keep extracting certain things that we're extracting, there is 
that goes into the CO2 running out and yeah. us basically making ourselves go extinct on the planet. So yes, everything's unlimited. When we're coming from the spiritual, when we're coming from the basis that Solomon is talking about, because if I really knew that you are me and I am you, and that whale is also you too, then yeah, you're probably going to think twice before you uh, pull it out of the ocean for the large corporate profits that it's producing, but the suffering, not yet, let alone the suffering that it's inflicting, the fact that we could kill ourselves, we could end life on our planet because we've never been in a situation that we have been. So that to me is important to highlight. Yeah. And which is why I think you began with the spiritual journey being a, uh, an essential tenant underneath all of these business practices, because who is it that you're really serving, Solomon? Who is it that you're really helping? Who is it that's really actually winning when they're engaging in a transaction with you? You know who they are. And I do mean that, like, you know that you're serving God in form. You know that, and again, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but Solomon knows that all the things that he's doing, although it's within the system that I just talked about, is working towards, for example, cryptocurrency and alternative community living and just a whole different way of being able to operate. Like, I'm going to play the game. I am playing the debt-based currency game right now. I don't, I don't have cryptocurrency. Slotka does. I don't have cryptocurrency. So I know that every dollar I create is somehow creating $7 worth of debt. And that's tied into this larger system with the whales. But you know what? I'm doing my best and I'm open to have these conversations for this specific reason so that we can really enter the, whatever we're going to call it, new world, new way of being. I think it yeah. happened literally because of having conversations like this. And I, I include myself and you in that, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the essence of your question? Because this, it's a very powerful thing to talk about the economy and spirituality uh, and how they tie together. But what is the essence? Yeah, so there's, there's actually anything you want to comment on with it. I don't yeah. actually have a formal question about okay. it. I was just, I was hearing myself as a listener, when you were talking mm. about how everything's unlimited. And yeah. I wanted to surround it with some like, caveats of yeah, and let's be very mindful of knowing who we're working with. Yes. And then to be as conscious as we can in the services. That, that's a cool thing. Like a service like coaching or meditation. How many whales do we need to extract from the ocean for that? None. You know, it's, it's literally a, a, a creation in and of itself. And although it's operating in the debt-based system, we're doing what we can in our way to transition into the most sustainable way of living so that uh, you know you're going to have a grandson that will be able to talk about you on a podcast yeah. maybe in the metaverse but on a podcast in the metaverse yeah no this is this is actually great and this is something that i teach is financial literacy because it's like debt i've always viewed it as like a terrible thing and you know i as soon as I was like 18, I got my first credit card, right? I, I, was, to... I took out a $35,000 uh, loan for college yeah. when I was 18. Like that's just, yeah, exactly. Like right into it. Yeah. As soon as I was 18, I went into it and I didn't know how to like, how it works, credit utilization. And, you know, I had a bunch of collections and things like that. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't work out so well for me. Um, but now understanding that, you know, there is good debt and bad debt, 
and using oh what's that did you bk oh no i didn't bk no 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 yeah um i came close to it but you know it's like i just had to be educated so i can get myself out of the hole like that's the biggest thing so i didn't i don't want to bk uh burger king I I <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a new term but uh, essentially like just understanding good debt versus bad debt like because you could use like business credit right and use that as a tool and a resource to invest in yourself and you know to invest in coaching that's going to expand that's why I invested in all of my coaches yeah exactly and right and when you invest in yourself you become more valuable and you become this individual who understands a new level of commitment to your higher self to your highest timeline and it's like Obviously, you know, the system, our economy, the U.S. economy in particular, is made up of transactions. I think it's completely on you to ensure that your transactions are 100% in alignment with your integrity, with your morality, and your authenticity. So that's why, you know, when you mentioned the whales and stuff, I was like, oh, no, not the whales. That, that's a big reason why I've chosen to be vegan, because, you know, I don't want to encourage that and like the CO2 in, in the atmosphere for greenhouse gases and things like that, which, you know, we all know like whales and, and cows and all these different things contribute to the world's greatest, you know, pollution. Yeah. So, so it's, that's one of the biggest things you do, by the way, is not eat fish. Yeah. Mm, it's pretty big, but yeah, that's essentially like my thoughts is just long, as long as you're in alignment and you know exactly like where your money is going, of course, this big money game is just filled with transactions and like that's how the economy grows is through debt you know the productivity growth and everything but back to understanding that there is unlimited resource because as debt increases i mean so does the printing of money but obviously like inflation deflation there's so many different things but a great video that i watched that totally expanded the way i viewed the economy to more so an objective state was the Economic Machine by Ray Dalio and just watching and reading Tony Robbins Master the Game because and I know a lot of people they get kind of shooken around when you talk about money being a game and like you can actually master it and things like that but when you really are educated and you have different tools in your tool belt and you understand like as you increase in value and you bring more value to the world you're only going to be reciprocated so that's kind of my viewpoint on all that. But yeah, it's all about integrity. Yeah, yeah. Inner alignment, integrity, checking in with yourself. Um, Seaspiracy, by the way, that's the movie. Uh, oh, I see, I watched Cowspiracy. I didn't watch Seaspiracy yet. Same, same producer. Yeah, yeah. It's same producer. And definitely I would check if, if any of you guys want a more in-depth look at like some of the the other side of the story that we're talking about and i mean I'll, I'll be honest i watched all the the industrial farming like stuff yeah. that was going on even before they were connecting it to the fact that we're going to end up ultimately potentially you know knock on wood i'm not calling that yeah. in like i see massive change but if things didn't change we could literally extinct ourselves like the planet's going to be okay things will rejuvenate things will regenerate but um you know and that's like that's not a new story either like 
you know, since when? It's been the end of times for the past 5,000 fucking years. Yeah, I know. Right? At least that's the story that gets passed down. So um, who knows? Maybe we're literally always on the brink of that. But uh, this is what I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Which is when... Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. To complete that thought. I watch all those documentaries and stuff. Yeah. But until I actually had an experience with God through psilocybin mushrooms mm. and ayahuasca and an ayahuasca ceremony, oh, like yeah. I, would still meet. I would still, I would still go and do that. Like I would know, I'd be like, well, you know, I know this, this animal probably suffered and the fact that there's chemicals in it because when an animal is being killed aggressively uh, and they feel that chemicals get released in their system and then yeah, yeah, you are taking on this. You literally—I mean, that's just the fact that you're, you're then taking on that. If that animal experienced that adrenaline rush, and then like you want to eat that fear, probably not. But you're I eating fear. Thing. You're eating fear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I knew, but dude, I knew that, and I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna—I'll eat the fear. I guess I'm eating fear for dinner tonight because <laughs> I love the flavor. Yeah. Um, and I didn't—I didn't actually make the switch until I until it went from concepts to experience with the ayahuasca with the plant medicines of holy shit if something has eyeballs um i have eyeballs and i don't want to be so mm. i'm not going to eat things with eyeballs that was that was essentially the rule on it eyeballs. so just complete that that thought um but this is so this is the question bro when did you feel like just as out of integrity in either personally with the spiritual journey maybe in business when did you feel like this is like and maybe you're about to quit on something is there a moment that comes up for you when i ask that i think two moments really come up like since we're touching on the subject of veganism and then also business like <laughs> i love this this god consciousness podcast it's beautiful it's it's well all the cool about god consciousness everything's god consciousness exactly it's all encompassing so it's like well, let's start with veganism like when i knew i couldn't tolerate meat anymore i understood like the logic of like meat only tastes good to people because of the seasonings and spices which is made of plants so that was like the most logical thing i was like oh yeah like because it's, it's roasted in a certain way and it's got like some coals and like some 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 wood like like whatever it is it's it's plants that make it actually tasty otherwise if you would in the wild and like eat raw meat i don't think you would fancy it so well and obviously like you know you've read that book the holy science and frugivore and all these different scientific like studies about how we really are frugivores to me physiologically I, i'm getting excited to eat a steak right now unfortunately oh oh my goodness if we well, talk about this well as soon as i think it was like thanksgiving day uh maybe like 20 2016 something like that 20 2015 i i don't know what it was but i was already doing different you know research when it comes to veganism why it's like healthier and like how to be nourished and actually like take care of my body with different supplements and things like that that obviously the transitioning to a new diet would presumably like encounter i thanksgiving day like opened up the the oven to this big basted turkey and i i couldn't come to grace with it and it's like obviously i've worked on this like throughout my my time and stuff with meat and everything because 
I was obviously still working in a, in a kitchen and um, cutting bacon and like meat and stuff all the time. And I found grace in it and would always like bless the food with like intentions and, and whatnot. But I think what really stuck with me was like kind of what you mentioned. I, I don't want to intake within my body suffering. And that's the biggest thing. So that was probably the biggest like realization I had. I don't know if it was just like the smell of the turkey or something, but at that point with all the research and cowspiracy and all these things I watched, I was like, you know what? I'm going to cut meat cold turkey. <laughs> so I stopped it and I haven't looked back since. And yeah, that was probably like seven years ago now. And business, now you, you asked, where did I feel out of alignment with business? And I think when I was just, I was just doing like lead generation, advertising, things like that. I was really understanding the logic of business. And Sell like, out, that's so not spiritual. Yeah. And I knew like most of my time, my energy and focus was obviously on spirituality, but I didn't really step into my voice and was courageous enough to share my heart. I think that was the biggest thing because my mind was like, yeah, I know everything about business, man. Like I can get you some leads. I can make sure that you get some booked phone calls with qualified individuals who are ready to buy a house. No one ever sees you. No one ever sees Solomon. Exactly. And it it was comfortable for me to do that. And at that point I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I'd say another point too, I was running an Instagram and I was previously known as third eye water bearer and it's a pretty cool name, right? <laughs> but I, I wasn't posting it on my actual profile. This was like a sub account and I didn't share it with friends or family or anything like that. And it was almost oh. like this secret identity. And yeah. I grew it to like 6,000 followers. And at that point I was like, fuck man, like I'm not even sharing my face. I mean, I was sharing my face. I was sharing my poetry and like the shit that's really meaningful to me and the yeah. most and the most vulnerable, but to an audience that I had no idea. Um, you know, I've messaged them on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, but I had no idea who they were in real life. At that point, I was like, I am not in alignment with my message, my brand. I feel isolated, separated. It's time to integrate and have my brand, my message, my personal profile, Everything has to be one. So at that point in time, yeah, I shifted my message to just be who I am. Do you have any poetry sitting around that you want to share? Uh, I actually don't have any poetry right now. Do you have some that you'd like to share? No, no, I don't. But um, can we be expecting a book from you in 2023? You actually can. Uh, yeah, we'll you be publishing do. a book. Uh, I feel like I can publish both because I have a poetry collection, but I'm also working on uh, another title that's to be what announced. Is, what is it? I missed that. I'm working on another title that's to be announced as well. So okay. there's a poetry collection. Like yeah, you'll that's see. That's a curious title. I love that. You'll see. Yeah. Are we, are we going to expect another book from Christopher Kent this year? Oh, bro, 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 bro. <laughs> I know bro. you're working on stuff. Oh, dude, you're making me. All right. Okay. So I have yet to publicly announce this. Um, I wrote my first book. Yes. I, I've announced that. I wrote my first book, I published it, 
December, this past December, Gods and Flash Contemplations on the Oneness of Being. It's on Amazon, Kindle, and hard copy right now. There's a special edition coming out soon too. By the way, extended version, I'm going to add like 10 poems because I have to make it that long to get hardcover. For, uh, nice. Yeah, so it's going to be like a special edition. Um, anyhow, yeah, it's still, it's still, I'm announcing that I would love to see another one published in 2023. And after publishing nice. the first one, I know that it basically entailed a full i don't don't even dude i don't i don't even know if it matters how good you get at writing or whatever it is or even if you have a like i sat down basically for three months straight and just went from like journals full of seven eight hundred poems down you had to finish it you had to finish it what is it you had to finish it yeah i mean you had to make it a reality yeah and and so i mean i don't know if it's going to come by the end of 2023 because and this is something else i wanted to talk about is the different offerings like you and ivan i see have clearly been in creation ivan is solomon's life partner by the way uh they've been in just like creation central mode and so uh which one of those things may include a retreat in costa rica in august with myself and hey. solomon and ivan Ooh, yeah that might be happening so what other what other offerings do you have right now uh what's alive what's alive in you to share on that yeah i mean you could definitely check out my website you know i have courses um i'm really down to earth so my instagram dms are open you could find everything at go.roseen, the letter n, potter.com. And you can also check out my Instagram at Sully P. That's S-U-L-L-Y-P underscore 333 on Instagram. And come see for yourself. Ooh. <laughs> right. I like that. The little cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. We're at, a, we're at 1.5 hours, believe it or not. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share my brother Mm -hmm. something i've been contemplating yeah something i've been contemplating a lot is just sayings from plato you know those who tell the stories rule society and of course the stories that we tell ourselves is always going to dictate the next chapter of our lives and it's really important that we take the pen and we start writing how we want our reality to actually be and an even better quote later on from jim morrison those who control the media control the mind so if you tune into the right media if you create your own media that's to me going to be mastery of the mind mastery of your reality so tell your story and be unafraid because people are going to resonate with your vision, with your message, and they're going to be aligned. So be unafraid of showing who you really are. Well, you heard it from the man himself. I don't know what else I can say to follow up with that. Uh, Self-knowledge by experience. Yes. 
Brother, it is an honor to know you. It is an honor to have had you as my first guest on Unspeakable Bliss. Uh, I imagine that we will be doing this many times more. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually excited to listen back to our conversation and to, uh, to see if we got any engagement on the Facebook portal as well and respond to some comments there. Yeah. Uh, you heard the man. Check his website out. Check out his Instagram. Stay tuned for a retreat with him, myself, and Ivan. Who knows who else? Maybe some actual God-conscious beings will be in attendance. Maybe. And uh, yeah, brother, is there, is there any? Is there a message beyond what you just shared that you want to leave us off with before we say goodbye? Yeah, the simplicity of be here now. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother. Love you guys. See you next time. Peace.